Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. If you didn't catch that, don't worry. I'm verified, so just look for the blue check next to my name. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206. And that's C Kid 206. Chris, we have a special guest in the building man, with about us. Damn time. <laughs> oh, <bro>. man. <laughs> the long time, long time coming. Long time coming. We have from the Seattle Seahawks, KJ Wright. Yeah. KJ, what up, man? What up, what up? How y'all doing, man? What doing took good. you so long to get on the show, man? <laughs> My snowstorm. Bad. <laughs> my bad, my bad. It started with the snowstorm. It did take a while. It did take That's a while. true. The snowstorm. The snowstorm messed yeah. it up. Yeah. That was the first one. Yeah. And, and then KJ mad. launched his own podcast. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> we got competition now. <laughs> That's good. I definitely enjoyed the, the, the podcast topic of discussion. Yo, I like that it didn't just talk about football. Oh, yeah. Because what, what happens outside of football is so fascinating yes, yes. Uh, to me. It's more than just uh, inside the lines. We're definitely going to get into a lot of that. But first, I do want to talk a little bit about football. Yeah, let's talk. Let's you talk. are you are a football player by profession. Yes, that's my uh, occupation. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you've been on, this, uh, been on the Seahawks for a very long time, and I know one of your goals this year, this, year, this was year nine, Yep, it was to play all 16 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you accomplished uh, that goal, had a really good season mm-hmm. uh, by my standards. I'm sure you, you agree yeah. as well. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Had a good yeah. season? It was good. It was good. Um, well, you, you said something recently um, on radio with G. Scott that I thought was really interesting, that you were fueled. Mm. Uh, by like negative critiques, yes, even more so than positive critiques. Mm-hmm. And I've always f- I noticed that in athletes, and I always thought it's very weird. We talked about that, yeah, because <laughs> everyone defaults to the chip on the shoulder, underdog. People doubt it. Even people who are clearly heavyweights, you see Sherm doing it. Yeah. Oh, no one thinks I'm great. It's like Sherm. As soon as you retire, <laughs> you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like right then, people believe in you. But why? Why is that? What goes into that mindset of being fueled by doubt? It's just something that's, I've been like that since I was a kid, man. I've always been told, like, what I can't do. And I just always thrived off of just proving people wrong. It goes, it even goes back to high school. One of my high school coaches told me, I sat down face-to-face. He was like, I don't think you could be, um, you know, a big-time college player. My coach told me that. Mm. Wow. And I was looking like, what the, <laughs> well, you know, what is this dude talking about? And so, all offseason, I heard the noise. Mm-hmm. Heard the noise about my knee. Got, you know, man got bad knees. He didn't be able to bounce back. And I was like, this year is hands down the most important year of my career because mm. of the perception that was around me. The perception always, oh, he's slow. He can't come back. He's a free agent. Don't bring him back. And so I took it upon myself to do everything I possibly could to just, just ball out this year, and, and, I, and I got it done. Did you, did you need the negative this offseason? Um, did you need people to doubt you? I, I didn't need it because I was already mad. I was already mad to begin with because mm. I was like, I, obviously, I played like 16 games probably almost every year of my career. Mm-hmm. But I was mad because I only played like five games. And probably two of those games I was healthy. And so I was already, you know, angry coming into the offseason. But when I saw the people adding me on Twitter, the, the um, you know, the media asking me questions, just asking all these kind of questions. And um, so I was like, this is this is, this is some BS. Like my, mm-hmm. my resume is, check out my resume here. And then, you know, when they added that, so I was just, I was like, I got to dominate. Yeah, it looks like I'm, I got your page pulled up. You you only missed, let's see, that's that's one, two, yeah, you only missed a hand. You missed more games in 2018 than you had your entire career. Yeah, I missed two games with a concussion, and then I broke my foot in the Super Bowl year. Missed like four games. Yep. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow is right. It's crazy <laughs> It's crazy you mentioned, like, people doubting you, because, I mean, we had a podcast. What should the Seahawks do with K.J. Wright? 
And we were like, man, he's a legend, but is he going to be healthy? Like, we literally had that discussion. I saw, I saw no, I saw it. I saw y'all, I saw the, uh, you know, what y'all said. <laughs> I was mad at Mike, too, because I saw what Mike said, too. And what I was I, like. I forget what I say? He said, he has bad knees. That's exactly. Yes. With an S on it, like both of them. I was like, Mike, I had one, one knee got messed up. And so I saw, and I, you know, I don't get mad, but, it, you know, personally, but I was like, I see that, so I got to go and prove mm-hmm. Mike wrong as well. Yeah, go. and we're sorry about that, man. We Oh, don't apologize. We, thank you. No, I, I thank you. I wasn't going to apologize. <laughs> I was going to wait for my my thank you. <laughs> the motiva- I provided some motivation. Yeah, thank you. That's thank true. you, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. We, do, just, we do have that power. Yeah, I mean, and you did it. 16 yeah. games this season. I think this might have been your best season. What do you think about that? I think it was my second best. Second best? What would you say your first? Super Bowl? No, no. The year after we lost to the Patriots, so 2015. Ooh, okay. Go go, go rewatch that film. Rewatch mm-hmm. those games. I was killing. That's the game we um went to Minnesota. At, uh, I think we went to Minnesota twice that yes, year, right? Yes, okay. That yep. was that season. Mm-hmm. And so, fun year. Did a lot of good stuff. And that was one of my favorites. But statistically, it's crazy. This was my, my best year. Statistically, best season. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, do. You made the Pro Bowl the next year. Yeah, I should have made it. We'll just say, KJ, you balling, man. The Pro Bowl's weird, man. Because you were an alternate in 2018 That's... after playing like three games. You see that? <laughs> I played three games, the Pro Bowl alternate. Yeah. Yeah, and three. At the t- you ended up playing five. At the time of the voting, it was only three. Yeah. And um, I just look at the list. You know what they need to change? Stop putting these DNs, these pass rushers, as linebackers. Oh. You are a DN. Left outside linebacker thing. Yes. That, okay, yeah. So like, what, is, what is, Chandler what is, Jones, Khalil Mack. Yeah, Von Miller. Do they all get in as, what do they get in They're as? right out. Oh, OLB. Yeah. Oh. Outside linebacker. And there's some dogs that didn't get in. Uh, Davis from the Saints. Yes. Levante David. Yeah, he didn't get in. That That's wow. crazy. Dogs. But um, Well, also the voting is like done by like week 12 or something, week 13. Or four. It's just, yeah. It should go the whole year. You know. It should. Like, what's the rush? Let, let the dude <laughs> complete the season. Yeah. And so, that, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Speaking of Pro Bowl, I just real quickly, what is your thoughts on that game as a whole? I mean, you've played in it. What is your thoughts of it? I know you guys are trying to hurt each other because it's it's still football with pads yeah. on. Yeah. But what's your take on that? The game itself is it's, it's you know it's, it's you just out there you just out there trying to wait till the clock to hit all zeros. <laughs> but um, you know they did a good job in having the week lean up to the week, having the skills challenge, you know, doing the dodgeball stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so the week is cool, but the game itself, I, I I can only imagine what the ratings are. Where was the was it in? It's in Orlando. Was it in? Was it there when you were yeah, in it too? Orlando. I know it used to be in Honolulu. Yeah, right? Hawaii. That was cool. Yeah, I, I liked it there. And then one more, real quickly. What do you think about maybe getting flag football for the Pro Bowl game, where you're just pulling flags? That'll, it's not- that'll be way better. That'll be so much better. You just made Chris's day. Yeah, just no, campaigning I mean, for that for like two years. Because I remember I brought it up to Mike. I was like, "Who do we need to talk to, like, to send this up to the NFL?" Because I think this would make it more entertaining. Yes, you still have guys blocking, but of yes. course not trying to take your head off because it's flag. You're just pulling flags. But I think that would just bring the. I think a lot of people more would be more. A lot interested. of people will actually watch that. I would shoot. And, I, did um, you did you watch the they have the pros versus Joe's? I forget what it's called. It's on I NFL remember, Network. Yeah. I, I used to watch that. <laughs> okay, but go ahead, KJ. My bad. They meant to cut you off. But no, I, I think it'll definitely bring more attention to the game, and you know, to see all the receivers and DBs, linebackers competing against each other. I think it'll be way better than putting on pads and guys just <laughs> essentially playing tag football. That's what it is. I mean, they yeah. grab you for two seconds and it's dead. Yeah, blow. And I get it because you still got pads, though. you don't want to blow somebody up. Yeah. The last person that blew somebody up, if I'm not mistaken, was Sean, Sean Taylor, Taylor on the punter. <laughs> I mean. He, Poor guy. <laughs> I don't even know. Because some people put them pads on. You put your helmet on. It's wartime. It was some dudes out there smacking. I saw a few highlights. I think Jamal Adams was kind of smacking a little bit. Maybe you have to pull him aside. I didn't watch hey, this hey, yo, year. bro, let me holler at you. Yeah. Pro Bowl, man. Just 
Lay off a little calm bit. Calm it down. Because well, it's, it's go time when she when she. No, do that. but it's it's you the can, Pro you Bowl, Mike. No, you could, your mentality can switch. Well, I, you know, I always talk about how Cam would say he would go and Cam Chancellor would go into like a dark place. He yeah. would say before like the locker room mm, yeah. to go on to the. Because I was like, yeah, to be. I always said to play football, you gotta be crazy. You're in this car accident <laughs> for an hour. Uh, and it's just like the mentality you have to have to know, like, look, if I could, I could die on this field, yeah. and I will. Like some guys will. I think it was Jamal Adams who said he would. Yeah, he would die on I'll the field. I'll die for this. Yeah, right, brother. Just like, hey, I respect that. that. I'm pretty sure uh, it was a guy I do, in the Jets. I do not respect that. Uh, don't dang. don't say that, Jamal. Come on now. Oh, well, you know, and he's hyped up. He loves the game. Can you blame him? I'm hyped up. I love the game, but, but I not... will not die. <laughs> die for this. Okay, I respect that, man. Yeah. You looking it up, Mike? Yeah, it was Jamal Adams. Yeah. Yeah. He said this is the headline I'm reading now. So he was like, he clarif- he's clarifying it. But yeah, he definitely like I'll die on the field. Well, so we, we don't that. we don't want that out here. Yeah, we no, were yeah. base defense, KJ. Base <laughs> defense. Oh, this is one of the best debates all year. Now, it's the four three. For those who don't know, that's four down linemen, defensive linemen, and you have three linebackers, yep. corners, and your safeties. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks fans, social media writers, it's a lot, right? Maybe not. What are your thoughts on the notion of Seattle plays too much base defense? Meaning, you guys play it. Way more than you should. Why not play nickel when you have more corners out there, especially this season with Michael Kendricks, who's played, I want to say, 60 to 65% of the snaps. What is your take on that with the base defense and how you guys play it as a whole? Well, here's the thing. we um, The ultimate goal when you play football is to put the best 11 guys on the football field. Mm -hmm. Correct. And um, essentially we saw with Kendricks, myself, and Bobby, um, these – we want to keep these guys on the field as much as possible. And so what we did with the base defense, instead of putting on a nickel, they essentially did the same thing. Kendricks is just as fast as a nickel. He hits way harder, <laughs> mm-hmm. takes on blocks way better, and was playing zone coverage with it. And so that's what we were doing. We had a lot of experience out there. And um, I don't think we got exposed in that position, the nickel, the quote-unquote the nickel position. And so you know, a lot of people you know, made a big deal about it, but I thought it was fine. And we had a, a package for it, and I think you know it, it was sufficient. The only thing you can't do out that package is go man to man. You can't put Kendricks on an E receiver. Mm-hmm. That's just not happening. But we blitzed. We played cover cover four, cover three, and just buzz to the flat. Same thing nickel do, just buzz. And I thought I thought it was good. Now well, KJ, there are people out there wondering what buzz means. If you could describe, if you could explain, <laughs> I just that. learned what that meant like week four. <laughs> I know, but our listeners probably like buzz. What? So KJ, break down buzz and what that means in your formation. Well, in, in cover three, there's Man, this, let me break it down. There's it's a zone coverage. There's two hook players and there's two buzzers. Buzzers. When you look at the football field, the numbers, the numbers on the football field, the wide numbers. You just go to there, and if the quarterback look out there, you go like to the hash, or you go out past the hash marks, past the numbers, almost go out to the sideline. That's what a buzz technique is, and you take away the flat in the on the football field. And the flats are the underneath, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Well, you're running you're, back. You're speaking Chris's language right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I mean, I I look at zone coverage. Like when I watch you guys film, yeah. I'm trying to call coverage before the play even snaps because I'm trying to see what happens. And then when it's hiked, I'll, okay, I was yeah, right yeah. or I was wrong because KJ came up to the line, but he dropped back because he's in cover three. He's playing this. He's playing the deep middle, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, or the flats. Yeah. Another thing is in that base defense. You said Michael Kendricks is fast. He he hits harder. He's as fast as a nickel, and you guys can't play man. So in situations where it's like shoot. Who's making that call if you're going to audible to something else? Like, we're in man. We think we can do it, but they have this, you know, third slot receiver out here. Let's switch back to the zone. Who's Is that Bobby making the call? Are you guys communicating? No, What's that like? Here's the thing. We won't ever call man-to-man in that situation. Okay. When 
because we can't. Yep. It, it is a matchup issue. Yep. And so it won't ever be that the center will never introduce itself. And so we're going to always be coming, playing coverage behind, playing the zone behind it, and that's it. Like, offensive, offensive coordinators know that. They see, all right, when these guys are out there, they're not going to be in man-to-man. Yep. Because if they do, no. then we'll, we'll score on them. Okay. How do you think about the, the pass rush this year? What was your thoughts on that? They never really got it going. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ziggy, he, unfortunately, the injuries caught up to him again. That sucked. Jadavion had a few injury problems. Yeah. I mean, they lose Jay Reed for yes. six games, and they didn't have that continuity, and they weren't familiar with one another. As a linebacker and a core asset to this defense, what were you trying to do to get these guys going? I mean, I think I think you just answered it. I think it starts off with obviously Jay Reed missed a lot of missed six games mm-hmm. coming in, and you know when you miss six games, you got to get your feet you got to get your feet wet before you can get into your groove. And then we had Ziggy. Ziggy was dealing with his shoulder all season. And, you know, he had, you know, neck injuries, foot injuries, so he never really got started. And with Clowney, it's the same thing. And so we wish that it could have been better because, you know, that affects the the, the back end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause, because, you know, those guys got to cover. And so we wish they could have got going more. We blitzed. We did all we could. And I believe that if we get those guys back, OTAs, training camp, it's going to be much better. And that's what we had Cliff on prior to the season last year, and we talked about the D-line. And we said, hey, what, do you, what are your expectations? He's like, bro, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Like, you got your guy, Jay Reed, out six weeks. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, fellas, pass rushing is also a chemistry thing. If, and if, it's if, funny you – sorry to cut you. I saw, yeah. It's funny you mention that because I've had discussions with hosts here and Cliff, you know, he played the D-line. Yeah. And we would be like, bro, is, Walter Jones, he said it like this, just put your head down and go, right? Mm-hmm. And your point is it's not – that simple. No. So go ahead and take us through that. It's a chemistry thing. Let's, for example, let's say Bobby is blitzing and Bobby's picking the tackle. Okay. So the DN can wrap around. You got to know the way this guy moves, how fast he is, what stunts he like to run. And if you just put a bunch of guys in, okay, boom, fellas, here you go. Go get the quarterback. It don't work like that. You saw Cliff and Mike and Clem. All those times we were second Kaepernick, those dudes were doing stuff, stuff up front so that Cliff can get the sack or, or vice versa. And so when you watch pass rushing, watch how other guys help other guys get sacks. Prime example, Alden Smith, Justin Smith. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the Niners. Yeah, the 49ers. Yes. Killing. Man, that was a great D-line. All those sacks that Alden Smith got, a lot of them came off of what Justin Smith was doing. Okay. And so pass rushing is a chemistry thing, in my personal opinion. And it's also when you're one-on-one and get to the quarterback. Okay. That's a combination. That's also what I learned this year. Clowney was actually explaining that to me. And, yeah. Uh, and Hurt, the uh, D-line coach. Okay, yeah. Explained it to me as well. I was like, really? Because it does seem like you just put athletes there and then you just go. It, it can work like that, but but for the most part, it's it's four guys rushing. They all got to be rushing together. This was, uh, this was interesting. Uh, this was during the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson, quarterback <laughs> uh, of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, he was asked if he thinks that the, the team has enough pieces in place to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the Super Bowl is for the presumed next step. The the person who asked the question says Super Bowl, but he's already talking uh, by the time uh, she gets to that part. And he essentially says he thinks that the team needs more pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, he specifically mentioned Jadavian Clowney and how he wants Jadavian Clowney back. Says the offense is a great offense, uh, but they can always add more pieces there. Uh, they say look forward to free agency because that's where you get you know superstars on your team and where you get great players that can fill that space. He's hopeful that also, in addition to bringing back Clowney, they get some other players there on the defense uh, yeah. as well. Now, I was taken aback by that. Someone sent it to me, sent the screenshot <laughs> yeah. of the transcript, and I was like, wait, 
Russ said, said that? that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, wait. Russ Russ said something, basically told the management what he wants the mm. from the team, told the, hey, we need we need more players. You know, he didn't say because usually uh I think I think I asked Bobby this. I might ask you this too at the beginning yeah. of the year. Uh do you guys have the uh mm-hmm. the, the the talent and the pieces to get where you want to be, which is ultimately to the Super Bowl? And I think you guys both said, Yeah, confident in the guys in the locker room. And you're supposed to say that. Mm-hmm. You say no. It sounds like this. It sounds like our defense isn't as talented, and maybe our offense isn't talented enough to get there. How did how did you receive <laughs> those those comments? Here's my thing: when you're speaking on free agency and quote unquote bringing guys in, you got to be super PC. Mm-hmm. But I mean politically correct. You got to yep. be super cliche. So pretty much, don't say anything about other guys coming in. Mm-hmm. That's off limits. That's mm-hmm. off the table. Right, right. That's it's, it's, it's not my, my job to say what the Seahawks should bring in because you know what that does? We have influence. As, as players, our voice is very influential. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a guy that's saying, I think we need to bring in, you know, a new tight end, we got Will Dizzy on the team. We got Ed, Ed Dixon. We got Luke Wilson. These, jo- these guys could potentially lose their job because of what I said. Mm. And so when if so if somebody says oh on my team we, I think we need some new linebackers we need better linebackers, hold up dog I'm right I'm in here I got a family to feed and we teammates so why are you speaking on essentially bringing someone in for me to get out, and so when it comes to free agency and talking about other guys coming in I think that as players you got to be politically correct mm-hmm. and don't speak on that because we have influence and that could that could very well happen. Well, there's no one more PC than, than Russ. Uh, I just said that <laughs> for real. I, I texted one the other day. I was like, my man is basically if a press release could throw. And it's like he's very much like PC in that regard. Were you surprised to see that he did not do what feels like code among players? Yeah, uh, a little, little surprised. And, um, but I know Russ's heart. I know that he, he doesn't mean, oh, we need to just bring in all kinds of guys. Right. But um, you just got to be careful because you, you, you're very powerful. You're very influential. Mm-hmm. And essentially, when you say other guys need to come in, that means that the guys in the building are going out. Right. So you got to understand that. And it's the, they go do what they're going to do. Right. And so let's not add more fuel to that situation. Can we get to my, one of my favorite offseason topics <laughs> real quick? Let's do it. Yes. It's the Rooney Rule. Um, <laughs> the uh, Rooney Rule obviously requiring the NFL teams must hire – must excuse me. They must interview at least yeah. one minority candidate when they have a head coaching uh, opening. And I believe in two thousand nine they added that you have to do the same for a front office uh, position as well. Hire uh, interview at least one minority candidate. Uh, we look around the league. Ain't no black people coaching in head coaching spots. There's only what like two, three. Four. I don't know. It's, it's, it's there's three. there's no there's no OCs that are black. There's like two total. Uh, Mike Sando uh, at the Athletic coworker. Uh, just put out a great piece this mo- or Thursday morning, uh, looking into all the numbers. He had some uh, anonymous quotes from like uh, people uh, within like the NFL, basically like, "Look, the owners, it's it starts there. Mm-hmm. It starts with the owners. It starts with them being willing to give the power uh, to minority coaches." And yeah. mostly when we say this, we're usually talking about black people. Although there's coaches like Ron Rivera, who I believe is Latino. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Richard Sherman had some interesting comments. Uh, have you heard? Sherm's comments from the from the Super Bowl. What do you say? Oh, this is this is great. <laughs> let's uh let's play that clip and then go from there. You know, I I say I'm a black player and I say I've raised my voice about as loud as I can, you know, and and, and say it as much as I can. I, was, I spoke about it at Media Day, which is one of the biggest uh, days you can say it. But I I I I put more of the responsibility on you 
on the media because you, you're asking people who have no say in it. You're asking players, you know what I mean? We have, literally have no say in who gets hired, who gets fired. We have no say in whether we get hired or fired. But the people who have say, we don't pressure. The owners, we don't, we don't call, we don't, we don't push to get them. We don't, when, when you have them in the meeting, nobody asks them the hard questions because you don't want to rub them the wrong way. You don't want to get on your bad side. So, so I, almost, I almost say it's your fault that we, 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 don't, we don't have those answers because no, none of you guys are asking the hard questions. Everybody feels comfortable asking a player a hard question about, man, why aren't these black coaches getting jobs? Ask the dudes who hire. You know, ask the dudes who have, have all the power in the world to hire and fire these men. Then you'll get the answers. Uh, or maybe we, we're not looking for the answers from those dudes because we, we kind of know what they are. Sherm with the mic drop. I love that. I love that. What did you, what did you think uh, hearing that? Uh, I agree with him. I agree with him to an extent. I, I do believe that as players, obviously. Like I said, I believe players are very influential, and I do believe that we have power to get the ball rolling, to get things done. And that is interesting what he said about the media. I don't know if the media does ask presidents, owners, why. Did you, you know, why, this, why is this hard? Why do you think that there's 32 white presidents, you know, probably 30 white GMs. And so I don't know if the media does ask the hardest questions. Do, um, is we, that ask we, we, have, we have access. The problem is, it's just, and I, I, I tweeted this too, it's like you got to look at what the sports media looks like. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't look like the, there's three black dudes in this room, two of them in the media. That's, that's not how the sports force looks like. You go to press row uh, at a Seahawks game and you can count the number of black people there on, your, on, yeah. on one hand. Yeah, yeah. Right? So... That's part of the problem too. Mm-hmm. It's like who who's supposed to be asking these hard questions? Because like everything, whenever there's a problem with, with race, which is what this is, mm-hmm. um, it's always like the black the onus is on the black people. And it's like remember right. when Kaepernick was that was a hot yeah. topic, but asking all the black players and the black quarterbacks, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter? Mm-hmm. Well, that's well, that's dumb. You should ask everyone. <laughs> yeah. Go ask Aaron Rodgers. You know, go I ask am. Tom Brady. Go ask Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. What he thinks? You'd ask him about anything because mm-hmm. it's a humanity issue. Same thing with with coaches. So. Uh, you got a workforce. My my industry, with me and Chris included, yeah. it's mostly white writers. Yeah, right. So you're, at, you're we're putting the responsibility. We're trusting the white writers to pressure the white owners um, to make a issues. decision for for black people. And it's like, yeah. ah, damn. I and mean, that would help if they did, but they don't. So my question is, it's like a lot of things been going around, and a lot of people been using the word racism. Oh, it's racist what they're doing as far as black gyms. Is that is that really what it is? Is it or what's what's the word we're looking for? No, it's 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 racism because racism is systemic and when it's, it comes from a, um, okay. racism comes from a place of power. Okay, right. So like uh, someone asked me on Twitter, like, "Hey, Mike, what's what's wrong with your not only your industry but you know the hiring?" And I said, "People hire people who look like them." Uh, right. The problem, which is true, that's just not just white people. It's Asian, black, white people hire people who look like them. There's just inherent bias that you're more likely to trust and believe in their mm-hmm. abilities when they look like the person you are. Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the issue in both the sports media and in NFL is that um, there's only one group that's largely in control of doing all the hiring, mm-hmm. right? That's why, uh, so and, until that changes, you're going to have inherent biases that allow for racist hiring practices. So how, how can it change, Mike, if it's, if it's predominantly white? Mm-hmm. Is there a way that we can, I guess, I'm not going to say infiltrate, but to get to those higher-ups if it's predominantly white? It's going to take... Both colors of journalism to do this. 
It's not going to just be the African-Americans asking the tough questions. Mm-hmm. The white folks have to be able to be comfortable in asking those tough questions too, right? Mm-hmm. It can't just be, oh, Mike's going to be the only one doing it. There has to be other journalists that aren't Mike's complexion that have to say, Sherman has a great point here. Why haven't we asked the GM of the Patriots? Yeah. Why haven't we asked the GM of the Bengals? Yeah. Why haven't we asked the GM of the Seahawks? Right. I mean, those are serious questions. Mm-hmm. Are they comfortable? It's very uncomfortable to ask a GM <laughs> as a white man, why don't you have any African-Americans on your staff? Just curious. So there you go. So out of 10 white journalists, mm-hmm. how many are, first of all, passionate about that topic? And very, to your point, passion. Are they really passionate? Do they really care who's on that's the— what I'm, That's what I'm saying. How and many, that's another thing. How many are passionate about it? actually have the courage to ask? I'm going to say one. Well, here, here's, where, <laughs> here's where I think— Because it, it starts at the, at the, the very, like, the entry level, right? Because it goes back all the way to—I was just watching the Michael Vick documentary— the other day, a lot about the thing was on black quarterbacks, right? Because yeah. it's about intelligence, yeah. right? There used to be that same issue with the uh, with the Mike linebacker uh, yeah. as well, because right, right. it's, it's an intelligent position. So mm-hmm. it was it was assumed that black black athletes couldn't do it. And you look at like uh, how you get to being a head coach. Like again, Mike Sandel just had a good piece on where guys come from yeah. when they uh, where they started at and where where they were prior to getting a head coaching job. A lot of it comes from being on the offensive side of the ball, yeah. being an OC. Where do you come from when you're in OC? A lot of times, you're the quarterback's coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you get a quarterback coach job? You're probably a quarterback. Yeah. Right? Well, how do you get yeah. to be a quarterback? Well, you're usually a white guy with a strong arm, you know, and, right. and you're very tall, right? right. So until so we – infiltrate's a good word because it's about infiltrating uh, that process because you get more like – you get more Russells and Lamars and Mahomes and Dax and Michael Vicks and Donovans and, 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 and Bridgewaters and whatever, whoever else – uh, you get them in those spots yeah. and ascend that way, you know, like Byron Leftwich is yeah. a black yeah. OC, played quarterback. Right? It's about him getting a job and just ascending uh, those ranks. And mm-hmm. to take it even higher, it's a lot It's a lot about black ownership. Mm-hmm. I remember P. Diddy was talking about he wants to own the Panthers when they were for sale. Uh, I mean, it, it was a great idea, but I kind of laughed like, they're not going to let Puff into it. Because it's a boys' right. club. Right. The ownership was a boys' club. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they golf together, they drink Type their cocktails. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they, they, they ride for one another. You know, they never throw each other under under the bus. You saw it with like uh, anthem stuff or anything. Mm-hmm. So until until we infiltrate that, I think infiltrate's a really good word because it's not going to be willing. It ain't going to let us yeah. in. We're going to have to kick the door down. And to take it another step, when that when that does happen as a black OC, black head coach, black GM, your resume it got to be flawless, Stacked, man. Mm-hmm. It got to be super flawless. And you know the saddest part that one losing season mm, that does it for him. Arizona, it's, we already know. It happened. The coach you, before Cliff Kingsbury, you mean? It happened. <laughs> what was his name? It wasn't Vance. It wasn't Vance Joseph. I think it's already no. T. Oh, oh that's that's gonna bug me. He was there such a short time. Well, actually, I just you know what's crazy? You mentioned that I tweeted a quote uh, the other day about uh, from Mike Sandel's article. I'm gonna really reference Mike's article. It's from someone who attended the Fritz Pollard Alliance meetings um, in in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. They were talking about this this issue among other things. And one of those guys, he is an anonymous uh, attendee. He says, quote, I'm talking to you about some of how them NFL owners still see things as if it's 1965 or 1954. I'm not just saying that. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I've heard it sitting in the room with them. This is your reality. And it's not about your qualifications or anyone's qualifications. It's about race. Yeah. Anybody that denies that, they are lying to you. Some of these owners are thinking, I'm afraid when you get in charge and your staff is going to look too much like you and not us. Steve Wilkes, by the way. Steve Wilkes. That's it. Yeah. Yes. My man got the oppo- got the opportunity a little late and then didn't couldn't do nothing with what he had. Couldn't was supposed do to do nothing. something, I guess, because 
I don't know. That's how it is in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. And they canned him. One year. What can I do in one year? What do you lose, expect him to do in one <laughs> lose year? Lose quarterback. Only one receiver. I, I just got Larry. And it's like. Remember, they started that year with Sam Bradford as well. They didn't start Rosen. They there, went you, to, there you have Rosen's it. Rosen's first start was against you guys that year, week four. There, I forgot I forgot all about that. Yeah, Rosen's first start. And it's like, you, you get, your resume got to be flawless. Yeah. And then, you know what really bothered me? Is there were some hires around the league to where some of these head coaches hadn't even game planned, haven't called a play, they haven't called a blitz. And I'm like, how do you, how do you go from this position to head coach? You call that the good old boy network. Mm-hmm. You have not called a single play, but you're running an organization. How does that work? Yeah, the the, the what, Kansas City example is is painful this year. Their yeah. OC. Because who was there before? It was Doug Peterson was the OC in Kansas City. He gets the head job at the Eagles. And with Matt Nagy is the OC. Yeah. He gets the head job with uh, the Bears. Yes. Yeah. And then Eric Bieniemy. Uh, excuse me if I'm getting his name wrong, but uh, OC. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. Yeah. They're in the Super Bowl this year. Nothing. I think he's interviewed for seven jobs. And then people who, have the, Who was? Uh, the, the OC at the oh, Chiefs. Chiefs. Okay, okay. And Mike's yeah. point was the previous seasons. Each one that left got a job as a head coach. Yeah, the pipeline is there. And then how, how, how long? How long has he been there? I think he's been the OC for the last two seasons. Two, seasons, if I'm not, uh, two to three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Two of the best offensive seasons we've probably seen. One of them produced Mahomes <laughs> 50, 50 touchdowns. And man. I heard this comment. This is recently, by the way. Well, what if his interview wasn't good? Oh, that's that's where it starts. His interview wasn't good. <laughs> he was that bad of an interview. What could, this... he possi- what could he possibly have said in that interview for it not to be good? I'm, I'm going to give you 50 points a game. That's all you need to hear. I mean, pretty much. I mean, do you see what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are doing with that offense? Yeah. Did you see what they did in the postseason this year? Down yeah. 24-0? And you know it's offense a copycat. Gordon had something to do with that, right? It's even worse. It's a copycat league. I mean, look at all the coaches that wanted to find McVay's little brother, you know, when they yeah. were hiring in the last cycle. And if there, if there's anyone to copy, it is what the Chiefs are doing. Yeah. You know, you would, you would think. But it's no surprise that the pipeline hit a snag when it comes to a black dude wanting to get the job. But I think I think one one part that's going to help us maybe because black ownership is going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's going to happen. I think, honestly, guys like Russ, uh, I could see in ownership uh, spots. And that's that's my thing. Why does it have to be a guy like Russ? It shouldn't. Why does it have to be a guy like Russ? I can, what, you want my honest answer on that? Yeah. I think uh, Russ is, um, what's the word I want to use? He fits he's, the mold. He's, di- he's disarming. He's disarming. It's like a... Uh, he could have the same credentials and the same business plan and and the same like uh, acumen as someone like Marshawn, uh, but mm-hmm. if they both walk into the room and give their presentations, even if they use the same exact words, one guy is just a little bit more disarming Polished. than the other. Yes, and I think that because it's all about making people feel comfortable. And if you put someone like Russ in the room, throw a suit on him and have him pre- present something, people it feel a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you have some, like, if even if Russ could say, Russ said the same thing as, like, to take care of y'all chicken. Um, but <laughs> yeah. he he could say it, you know, the, the same, uh, he'll use different language and it make people feel a bit more comfortable. So I think that's why it'll take someone like that work. Because personally, I think Marshawn would be just as equipped to be in charge, you know, mm-hmm. a, as well. Dude's just, dude's bright. Mm-hmm. Dude's a leader. Dude's just care, he cares about others. But I think that, that that's my honest it's, answer on that. Okay. Here's my thing. Um, I just, I like to use the example. John Lynch, former player, mm-hmm. played just like thousands of other players played, went to broadcasting, 
became a GM, thriving as a GM, mm-hmm. killing just how long has he been there? Uh, he was hired in 2017, going his third year. Took much. his team to the Super Bowl as a GM. Yep. My thing is, there have been so many other players like John Lynch that can, I, in my personal opinion, can do that type that can do that, if not better. And so, like, like go back to your point. I don't. It's, like, it shouldn't have to be that mentality of he got to be a Russell. Why can't it be a Doug Baldwin or a, a you know Bobby Wagner? Mm-hmm. It can. It can be that. Yeah, it can, it can. be that. But I guess it's, it has to has a certain look. Yeah, it's it, a, it really does, and that's it, the sad part. Yeah, it goes back to I wasn't here when that report came. I think it was Mike Freeman who had it from an anonymous player. Uh, you were on the team at the time, uh, where it was like Russell's not black enough. Or some, the players think that Russell's not black enough, and there was uh, I wasn't I wasn't here for that. Like I said, I was in college at the time, but like you could definitely you 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 see the sentiment, like you see how someone could come to that uh, like thought. It was just like I remember people thinking that, like in the in the Super Bowl, like when when Cam was there, Cam Newton, it was like, oh, how big would this be for the culture if yeah. Cam won? Like, and beat Peyton Manning, <laughs> as because Russ had just did it. It's like and beat Peyton Russ... Manning, but it had a different feel. <laughs> exactly, it had a different, and it's a hard feel to ex- explain. But it, the difference in that feel is why I, it would be someone like Russ that would probably be the first person to kick that yeah. that door down and yeah. get in there and get in that boys' club because it's still going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, what, I also say Russ because he's already a part owner of. Um, the Sounders, the Sounders, yeah. and I believe is good. If the if a baseball team gets to Portland, right, he'll be a uh, part owner of that. It's interesting uh, you brought up well. Cam because Cam is considered the culture, as if Russ just, you know, he's not, yeah. but he should be as well. Cam has his own style. Russ has his own style. Why should it be? Well, he's not black enough. You know, we'll, we'll the, walk the, with Cam. The, the players really say that. Players really say Russ not black. Enough. Uh, the like anonymous said, poll had it that way. No, yeah. it was. Uh, I can bring up the Mike Freeman thing. I think he's writing for Bleacher Report at the time. I think he he didn't cite one player in specific. I think he just said uh, players in the locker room. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't think we ever found out with a specific player. If I was there, I would have asked the questions. I'd have went around the room and figured <laughs> out. Was it you? <laughs> well, just because. Either way, I understood the the sentiment. Someone probably did say that because there's there's also this thing that there's only one way to be black. There's there's multiple. We're just yeah. as, we're just as diverse and versatile as any other race. If 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 not if not more, but I think it is someone in that Russell type of mode. Yeah, that would make white people feel more comfortable. I get it. I get it. It's it's frustrating. I get it. Uh, but I think that's the that's the reality. Gotcha. It's it sucks. We have to, it doesn't feel like there's going to be a fix for this in the, in our lifetime. Like the the Rooney Rule. I don't because I don't think the Rooney Rule can only do so much because you can't force people. Uh, I to can change. hire whoever I want to hire. Yes. Yeah. Period. Right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, we'll interview people. Mm-hmm. Like the Raiders when they hire Gruden. Hey, so so can I flip this on you real quick? Yeah, good. If you're a black owner and you hire black people that look like you, mm-hmm. does that make you racist? No. No, it does but not. when a white person does it, it makes them racist. Uh, d- not automatically, no. But it, it's so. Oh man, we're getting deep. I like that you <laughs> flipped this on, Be- because, like I said, a bias is not is not an issue necessarily unless it becomes like truly unfair. Okay, and it like uh, it disproportionately like essentially phases out one group. From oppor- from opportunities that they should be you know they mm-hmm. should be equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if I was a black owner, I'm not going to only hire um, black people. Go. That's there not the only thing go. I'm going to do. And white owners don't only hire black. There's black coaches in the league now. There's yeah. not literally none. 
Uh, but the hiring practices, def- like the fact that they even needed the Rooney Rule, they needed legislation for yeah. to mandate hire uh, just an interview. Interview, yeah. Like <laughs> that 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 that's why it was. I use the word like racism because it is systemic. There, you need a Johnny Cochran to come in and threaten y'all with a lawsuit in two thousand two. Like, oh, okay, okay, my bad, y'all. We'll we'll at least interview. Can we can we agree on that? Yeah. Let's get the courts um, out of it. So I think that it's a that's a good question. Because I'm sure there are people listening who who think that, and that's it's not because the the bias is not necessarily inherent to be unfair. I think when you get minority people, because we understand, yeah. Yeah. we understand what it looks like to to be discarded yeah. because you just because just because how you look. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't even talk to you yet. That's it. You know. So gotcha. I think I think that's where it would it's it's different. Like because I feel like uh, in this country, the uh, white people come from a natural position, not natural, but a built-in position of power that minority groups do not come from. So the inherent biases that lead to the racist mm-hmm. hiring practices uh, probably won't proceed that way. Gotcha. And not rooted in the same, you know, issue. Good answer. Makes, oh, Good answer. I know, right? I was on the fly. <laughs> I've thought so much about this. Yeah. I wish I could write more about it. Maybe it's just on me to volunteer to my editor to be like, I want to get more in this because Sherm is right. Yeah. We have to put the pressure on because uh, I forget who made this point on TV the other day, that shame, shame them into feeling bad about this, you know, because that's the other thing about uh, why people are so frustrated about the minority hires. They're going to be good hires. Mm-hmm. A lot of, like, if you widen your pool, you're more likely to find a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're only hiring retreads and Joe Judges to do the special teams coach that's now the coach of the Giants, if you're just retreading and hiring, you know, rehiring Mike Pettins and rehiring, yeah. you know, guys from Belichick's coaching tree, like, if you just keep doing that, mm-hmm. you're... You're limiting your pool mm-hmm. when you're trying to ultimately win. Widen your your base. You know, mm-hmm. hire some women. You know, hire some some people from just that aren't traditionally in this like yeah. NFL retread yeah. mold. And maybe you'll bring something different to the league. And people will be copying you. Mm-hmm. So oh, there we go. No, I mean I just remember writing for Black Sports Online, and you see, com- you've heard of Black Sports Online, right, KJ? No. Well, Black Sports Online is a I kind of call it like the TMZ of mm-hmm. sports. Okay. They get all the stories. And you might have heard of Robert Latow. No? Well, it's okay. (laughs) He has stories that are random, and he has stories that are news-breaking and powerful. And you have comments that are saying, why is it called black sports online? Why why don't we just have white sports online? And it's like, huh, that's interesting. Have you not looked around? (laughs) I mean, name all the media outlets that are owned by black people. Yeah. I'll wait. Yeah. There's none. (laughs) <laughs> so when people say that comment, why don't we just have it white sports online? It's, it's, like, it, it's funny you say that because my brother has a clothing line called Black and Educated. Mm. One of my white homies, he looked. Like, what if I had a shirt called um, White and Educated? <laughs> like, okay, like what's what's the issue with what's the issue with this? And um, I saw so it's very interesting. Yeah, that, no, I hate those that, type of comments, the, man. That's the first question that's, that's asked. A teammate of yours asked me that. Actually, I had a shirt that said "Rooting for Everybody Black" at practice. Yeah. He said, "Are you rooting for me?" <laughs> he's, he's a white player. I'm not gonna name the player. I already but know it, who it is. Do you? Oh. I'm not gonna say. I'll tell you afterwards. Oh, that's. In, I would just hear you. you, you, you <laughs> like, I've that. been in the locker room. But it just, you know, it's just like, like, why though? You know, I know. It's very, like, it's frustrating. Yeah. And then when I see those comments, and you ask the question, it was like, well, this is the point that I'm coming to: is that everything else is already for you, pretty much. Yeah. Why, when we try to do something and empower ourselves to get a business to own something and start a media company, it's yeah. well, why not? Just naming white people sports online. It's like, well, look around, my friend. ESPN. Yeah. Everywhere. You don't even have to name one. You just, it's everywhere. All, yeah. all, all of them. them. I, okay, Dick, since you're in here, 
this is a topic I love getting into. It's the player with the players and the media, because the relationship is just so interesting. Yeah, and I feel like there's just such a gap. Although we have more access to the to the players and film and information than we ever have before, mm-hmm. and there still feels like there's just a, a gap between what you guys think in terms of like even if it's something as simple as you know base defense versus this or whether the team should run the ball more. Or, or whatever, like, how, how would you characterize right now uh, the player relationship, like, with the media? Like, how did you guys view us? Let's 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 leave it to radio. <laughs> let's leave it to radio guys, TV, and and writers. Like, okay. How do you guys view us? We have a love hate relationship with you guys. Mm-hmm. We love you when you talk good about us. We <laughs> hate you when you talking smack. And um, I believe like a, a bit of advice for media people is to and players, is to build a relationship with the guys in the locker room. Mm. Don't just come sticking a microphone in my face every single day. Ask me off the mic, like, man, how you doing? How's the fam? And I believe that'll create the relationship and make that a little better. Pretty much what you, what you come and do mm-hmm. and what you know, people like Jen come and do. And so we, it's like we love y'all and we hate you. Mm. And so I think the relationship would be better and more like organic if the, the relationship off the microphone is, is better. Do we, do we have an influence? Like, do you... I've asked this with players in the locker room, but you know more players than I. Do you guys read what we say? Does it does it matter whether we're right, wrong? Does mm-hmm. that stuff get to you guys? Do you read it? Do you, do you see it on TV? Some guys are more active than others. Mm-hmm. Some guys like really read into it and it really. But I just can be scrolling down my news feed and can see something, and then click on it, or go to explore page on Instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> and see something. And so you definitely, it definitely comes across your table. Like I follow you, I follow a few other people. And it does come across your table, but mm-hmm. you know some guys can absolutely go search, you know, type their name in Twitter, and see you know the stuff that pops up. And mm-hmm. so you definitely see. It. Are you that? I know some of you guys will search your name on, on Twitter. That's the old KJ. Yeah. I, I had to get rid of that. <laughs> I had to get rid of that out of my life because after bad game, I type my name in, and people mm. be killing me, mm. just killing me. I was like, oh, I gotta stop this. I gotta stop this. Only time I do it is after a good game. How has that process helped you not checking when you have a bad game or a rough game? How has that process helped you now that you've, you know, I'm not going to even check social media. I know I had a bad game. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, or has it helped, I should say? It doesn't help nor, nor hurt me anymore. It's just, obviously, as the more I've grown, I, I view football differently. You know what I mean? Especially like having kids. And so it doesn't, it doesn't stress me out or give me anxiety like it used to. You know what I mean? Because... You know, it's it's a beautiful game. I love it. It's what I do. But at the end of the day, it's just a game. And um so I, I try not I try my best not to get so, you know, too high, too low. I just try to stay as smooth and, you know, easy as possible. Well, let's talk about life after football real quick. What do you think, Mike? Yes. This is I, I love talking to KJ about football. <laughs> I know we talk a lot about football, but it's just there's so much there is. You know, I mean, before we even hopped on, we were talking about Cliff and his yeah. life after football. What do you see when it's all said and done? What do you act? What do you want to do? What else is out there for KJ when it's all said and done? Man, I've been brainstorming for the past six, seven years. Oh wow! Okay, I'm telling you, so much stuff coming across my board. The the list is long. It, it's right from teaching to coaching to working in the league, working with league offices, broadcasting. You know, you can do it all, right? You just be a very busy man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying. I'm trying to narrow it down now. Um, I, I spoke on the G G Scott show. I talked about starting my own agency. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, not being the guy that negotiates contracts, but be the guy that mentors and bring guys along because that's non-existent in, in um in in the business. And so, 
it's, it's coming down to that as far as coaching. I know I'll kill it, but I really don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you want to coach? Time, man. The, the time, it's a grind. If you think being a player is a grind, being a coach is just as tough. What level you're thinking? NFL, college, high school? It'll definitely not be college, but <laughs> it'll probably start off with high school. Okay. But then I'll be like, all right. Me knowing me, I'll be like, I need to be with the elite of the elite, and I'm going to go to the top. Who have you reached out to for advice on life after football, bro? This is what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? I have this list of things I want to do. Who have you reached out to? I, I talk to plenty of people. I talk to my wife. <laughs> I talk to um, coach, you know, my coach, Coach Norton. Talk amongst my players. You know, my you know my teammates. And um, so I, I talk to everybody. Like, man, what do y'all think? And how much time should I take off? You think I should dive into this? Will it be enough time? And so the list goes on and on. And so I, I love it when people do ask players. What are you thinking? Because we got to start thinking about it. Because we, I've been doing this since seventh grade. Mm. One thing since seventh grade. Like, I had a few summer jobs, but one thing. And well, so, that's cool that you had a few summer jobs because there's some athletes that <laughs> literally, I've never worked a job in my life. Football was my job. Yeah. And now I'm done. Oh, snap. I don't really care for talking to the media much. Uh, what, what else is out there? Yeah. And those you, summer jobs are something I never do. Like, I worked at Sonic. In high school, oh, really? And I did carpet. You know, my granddad was a carpenter. Nice. So I did carpet. <laughs> I did carpet okay. with him. And, you still uh, got it? Nope. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> the thing you said on G about the uh, G uh, show was really interesting because I felt like it was just like a formal version. The idea was like a formal version of the Marshawn's Take Care of Y'all Chicken uh, mm-hmm. thing. Because I thought that was, I mean, it turned into like a meme. And th- But what he was saying, I thought was really powerful. He was telling guys who aren't usually financially literate, take care of your mental and take care of your money because it you will lose both of those mm-hmm. uh, in this life. Like how how can we get? Because I feel like at the rookie symposium, there's like a little bit of that, uh, but then that can go south. Like that's when Chris Carter said the fall guy thing was at the rookie symposium. Uh, mm-hmm. But it feels like there's a little bit of that yeah. when they get into the league. But how can we get it to the point where that's happening continuously uh, as guys you know grow and come into money on their second and third deals and all that? We talk about it all the time. Like I know it. Me and my circle, we talk about money. Like one of my teammates came and asked, um, you know, what are you investing in? You know, how much do you have to save right now? Like, what would you like? Ask me what, what you got right now. And I looked at him <laughs> like, damn, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And so we just talked about finances. And then so it's something that we uh, we talk about amongst ourselves. It can definitely be preached way more. Like I, I talked to a guy yesterday, former player, Jed Collins, played fullback for the Saints, mm-hmm. and he wants to come in during OTAs and just have like five classes, just finances. Mm. And um, it's important that the guys has done it, spread the message, and guys got to take your own. Re- you got to be responsible for yourself. You can either come to this finance class, or you can go play video games. Right. The choice is yours, but you know we go we go present it to them, and you just got to be responsible because the rates are insane mm-hmm. for when guys get done. Oh. The rates are heartbreaking for guys losing money. I like the conversation we had last season. Uh, we we're talking about just like. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily vanity, but just like guys who are, you know, guys, you know, go to the club, you buy your bottles, you buy a Supreme, what did you go buy, you know, nice, nice cars. And it was like getting guys, hopefully getting guys out of that mold. Like, hey, you mm-hmm. don't have to be like that. I remember you said you got in the league, you still had your same car from college. Yeah. What Impala, was it? Chevy Impala. There it is. Do you, still, nice. you still have it? Nope. I gave it to my sister. Oh. I bought my sister a new car, so I don't know where that car is. Do you still, <laughs> do, you, do you have those conversations with guys still about just like, because it's hard, when especially mm-hmm. young, you 23, you a millionaire, and you know, they're, 
Everybody's on IG wearing mm-hmm. Versace shoes and Louis mm-hmm. V belts. Do you, do you talk to guys about getting away from from that? And is, is, do you have any success? What I call it is, what I tell guys all the time is, don't buy the lie. Mm. It's 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 a whole stereotype when guys come in. I gotta have certain chains. Yep, yep. Gotta have the Louis bag. Gotta have this, this, isn't that? I'm like, fellas, be comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. If you don't like Louis, then don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't like this, then don't buy into this mold, this stereotype. But I feel like, this is my personal opinion, I feel like guys come in, like I have to look a certain way, have mm-hmm. to drive a certain vehicle, and it's all it's all pretend. Come, come in what you want to come in. If mm-hmm. you want to ride in this Cadillac Escalade, that's cool. You don't got to go buy the Wraith just because you got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because we got we to gotta make this money last forever. That's true. So we definitely have those conversations. I tell guys, don't buy the lie. Do you have do you have any success? Because I see a lot of see a lot of Louis in the locker room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see a lot of Louis luggage. Yeah, I mean, that's Louis just small. Louis. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Louis just, it's a small, but I believe that like my like my circle circle mm-hmm. is pretty good. But it, you know, it's hard to get you know seventy guys to, to, buy, to, in. to buy in. Yeah, but I feel like my circle is pretty doing all right. All right, I got I got one more thing that's not football. Yep, I love it. I love having KJ in here. Man. <laughs> That's well, true. We talk football we done, so much, man. man. There's some days when I just don't want to talk about <laughs> base defense or guys covering or throwing the ball and running it. It's just like because it's just not on my mind. There's mm-hmm. so much other things uh, on my mind. And I, we were talking about this before we came on there. Me and Chris are both 27. We're both dating. Mm-hmm. Girls we've been with for a very long, long time. Okay. Uh, you had you had your first child with your wife at 27. I think I was 26. 26. Yeah. When did you get married? I was the next year. Oh man, CJ doing it right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm going on three years in May. Ooh. Congratulations on that. That's Again, dope. It feel, I don't know about Chris. It feels like that time. No, it's, it's coming. It, I know it is. I feel like I, I'm knocking uh, on the door here. I know it is, but I'm just trying to work harder and harder. That way, I'm prepared yeah, yeah, me for too. it, and I'm not like, oh, dang, you know. The question is, are her friends putting their pressure on y'all? I mean, we're, me and my girl are going to a wedding for her best friend next Saturday. <laughs> we spent New Year's at her sister's wedding party. Like it's uh-huh. no, I'm, man. all the pressure is real, then. Oh yeah, no, it's. I would yeah. say not as much on me. I mean, me and my girl have those conversations, but there's no pressure because she has goals and dreams that she wants to get accomplished that she hasn't done yet. Yeah. So there's no rush into it, but she is like, you know, there is a time clock. She has made that very clear to me. <laughs> there is a date. Of age yeah. of when she wants everything to be, you know, right. I'm living happily right now. Because right. right now we're in that relationship. What advice do you have for 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 Chris and I? As because that seems like a scary transition to go from. No, it is a scary transition. Not you seeing know, you become a dad, is. you become a husband, and Which it's just one? like that. Because it's two different. It's two different lives. You talking about fatherhood or or married life? Both, <laughs> both, man. You're in both. You <laughs> did it around uh, the same time as age we're at now. Let's start with fatherhood. Fatherhood okay. is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's tough when they little babies. You go lose sleep. You could be changing a lot of diapers. Mm-hmm. You'll lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> you said that twice. <laughs> yeah. And so, but once I'm telling you, this is what I tell my wife all the time. I'm, I'm trying to work on a fourth one. I'm like, babe, once they get out of diapers, it's cool. Life is easy once they get out of diapers. That's a long process, though, right, KJ? It takes a while. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like my boy, my boy, I'm like, son, come on now. How many years, KJ? Five? How was, no, no. He's no? like two and a half, I think, two. That's a long time. Yeah, he, yeah, I'm like, son. Come on, you you know better, <laughs> but um, it's a beautiful thing, man. Just having somebody to call you daddy, cause like I I landed, I flew to Miami, came back yesterday, and as soon as I got home, my son just ran into my arms, said, "Daddy, no better feeling." So, have some kids. Oh man, I'm still scared. 
Okay, get to that marriage part now. I like my sleep. <laughs> like, get to the marriage Yeah, part. what about that part? Marriage is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You just got someone, you just got a companion, somebody to go lunch with, go on dates with, somebody to share your emotional side, be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. And then there's the other side. Mm-hmm. It's like two people living in the same house. You ain't going to always agree. And a lot of times you go have to this is the way I do it. You're not gonna win every battle. Even no. if you think you're right, you gonna have to lose. Because if if you're right and you and she thinks she's right and y'all both going at it, y'all both losing. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta learn to give and take and what I call it find balance in your relationship. I don't use the word compromise. Find balance mm. within the relationship. Whatever, whatever that looks like, you got to find balance. Maybe marriage counselor. I'm just throwing that out there. I, don't know. <laughs> just, I can do it all, just man. Add it, just, just, add to, just throw that in there, man. KJ's oh, powerful. I can KJ's do it all. Titles. Uh, I love that idea with Jed Collins, by the way. He's a Coug. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. We're both Washington yeah, yeah, State yeah. grads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, yes, yes. Go Cougs, even though KJ School took our coach. <sighs> Why you got to bring that up, man? Yeah, no, no. I don't want to talk about Mike Leach. I just, <laughs> just no, that's, that's, that's fine. Before we get out of here, we did have something happen on Sunday that was just Mm-hmm. You don't think about stuff like this. You don't just imagine someone going away like that. Usually you expect it when they're 90. You know, you, you know, he was old, all right? Mm-hmm. He lived a great career. That's how you see him going out. Mm-hmm. But Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. Sunday, he passed away. What was your initial reaction, thoughts? Did you have a relationship with him? If you mm-hmm. did, what was that like? And what could you have, what did you take from what you learned from Kobe if you had a relationship with him? First heard the news, I was like, this is not true. This is fake. And when somebody texted to me and I went on the TV instantly, I didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing on TV. I went to ESPN. I went to CNN, Fox News. I didn't see anything. But more text messages kept coming in, and I was just, I was stunned. I was just stunned because I've been a Kobe fan since I was a kid. Mm. And I never met him, but um, it's just the man taught me so, so much. And I, I was crying. I was crying. I was with me and my boys. I was just crying. And um, it's crazy how much, you know, influence he had on my life. I never even met him. Mm. He just taught me discipline, just just sacrifice, just just being a dog. And I just, it just sucks to see him go like that, that soon. And I feel for his wife and kids, and I was heartbroken. I don't think you could sum it up any better. I mean, Mike and I were talking about it. I kept saying, Mike, why does it feel like we know this guy? telling you and it's a simple fact that yeah we watched him play but he led us into his life yeah. for the most part like we got to see him off the court mm-hmm. whether it's him beefing with Shaq while mm-hmm. we thought it was entertaining like they were really going through some stuff mm-hmm. that they had to hash out and we got mm-hmm. to see it on live tv on yeah. nba tv yeah when they're sitting down talking to each other yeah usually if there's a problem or an issue between just standard folks no one knows about it mm-hmm. it's just you and them like if mike and i had an issue Mike and I would just talk about it. It's not going to be on Twitter like, oh, right. Mike Dugar of The Athletic and Chris Kidd of The Athletic. They had a disagreement. Here they are talking about it. Mm-hmm. But we got to see that from Kobe. We got to see a different side of him on the court and off the court. Yeah. And to your point, it just it did hurt. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of Kobe. Yeah. Like, he used to make me extremely mad because of how great he was. Yeah. It wasn't hate. It was more so, damn, he is so good. <laughs> I can't stand him. Yeah. But then LeBron came in the league, and I was a huge LeBron fan. So yeah. that was my, oh, my guy's LeBron. Yeah. yeah. And I used to I remember going to my cousins all the time because he would be like, hey, cousin, you know, tell your aunt or my dad, tell aunt you to come through and watch this game because it would be the Spurs and the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, Kobe yeah. would win. I would yeah. be pissed <laughs> off. I, nothing I can do about it, though. Yeah. And just the just hearing that news and reading it, mm-hmm. you know, I was hoping it was fake, too. Like, this got to be wrong. Mm-hmm. 
But as the CNN came in, Fox, yeah. you name it, it was the ESPNs. You're thinking, okay, mm-hmm. this really happened. And, and um, go ahead. Yeah, man, just even like his transition. Like I was, I was, I loved his transition from from um football to, I mean, from basketball to off the court. Just like winning the Oscars and just being, you know, been coaching his daughter and just doing stuff like his business stuff with body armor and all that stuff. He just, I loved his transition. It didn't seem like he missed a beat. It just seemed like he just went from greatness back to back to greatness. And I just loved how we celebrated him while he was alive. You know, they retired yeah. his jerseys and all that. And he knew how much he was loved, you know, while he was alive. So I love yeah. that part. And another so. icon, Nipsey Hussle that we lost mm-hmm. last year. I mean, did that touch you at all? Are you a fan of his music? What do you think mm-hmm. about that in that situation? Because I was just crazy as well. It was I, I loved Nipsey more after after he passed. I, I didn't really listen to him before. That's fair. But yeah. I just I just looked at his the impact that he had on other people. Yeah. And I was like, let me dive back, let me dive into this guy. And I went back to his old music. I got in, I saw what he started doing in his city. And I was like, this dude, I, I, I see why people love him. I see why he was so hurt. And I was talking, I went out with my friends the other day, and one of my friends said he cried when Nipsey died. And he never met him either. But, you know, he was so relatable, you know, amongst the people. And he showed how you can go from one situation to just going to the top. And that was, that was another heartbreaking thing as well. Yeah, when you lose black leaders, it hits. Yeah. You don't got to be somebody you met before. Yeah. Because yeah. we have so few it feels like that are doing things that, you know, are so powerful and, and impact so many lives, especially because it seems like the only two realms are, they're all in entertainment. It's either sports or music. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dang, we just lost. No, we don't got all the same leadership. So yeah. that, that I think that's why, that's where it comes to uh, for me. No matter what your connection is, like, dang, we lost someone who was leading us in the right right mm-hmm. direction, whether it was being a dad uh, like like Kobe or, or someone like Nipsey who was like all about some of the stuff we talked about, financial literacy, ownership black ownership all those things we just talked about mm-hmm. boom that was in this guy's spirit so yeah that was definitely were some tough times it's tough to transition away from that yeah, yeah but i want to do it by thanking kj oh yeah kj right it, for, appreciate for, you for man. joining us uh on the seahawks man to man podcast we appreciate you guys uh for tuning in make sure you rate review and subscribe to the show on itunes we'll be on spotify we're everywhere we're man. everything man we on the <laughs> athletic uh as well shout out to the company got anything else chris KJ, any last words that you have to say? Forget anything you want to add. Maybe um, plug the podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, topic of discussion coming back this spring, and um, no nah, man, I'm just ready for the offseason. I'm doing a lot of traveling and um, training. I just went and met with my guy Tracy Ford, FSP in Bellevue. Mm-hmm. He want to get us all right in the offseason, so I'm just uh, mapping out my offseason schedule for training and travel, and uh, you know, just getting it all figured out. All right, best of luck to you next season. Appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Year 10. Year 10. All right. And make sure y'all only talk good about me, too. (laughs) You know what? Note taken. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're out. Time to your bag and I tell